Well, how's our, how's our Sunday night crowd doing tonight? I'm excited to be here. I'm humbled to be here as a, you know, I'm, I'm 27 years old and, you know, I get so excited, but oftentimes I just get really humbled and, and sometimes y'all, I speak to college and, and high schoolers and when I speak to adults, I get a little nervous, you know what I mean? Y'all look scary compared to the, compared to the high schoolers. Yeah, especially you, Carol. Um, <laughs> And uh, I'm just humbled to, to, to be able to speak to you, and I just pray that, that God, God would speak to you personally through my words. It's a, it's a crazy thing that he might do that, because I'm pretty silly, but, but I pray that he would do that. Um, how I wanted to start off tonight is I wanted to just highlight, and if you'd be so bold to stand up, anyone who in the, who's been saved, who's been saved or rededicated their life to Christ in the last year. In the last year, so in 2019, if you, if you got saved or rededicated your life to Christ, would you just stand up? We just want to celebrate you. We got, yeah, we got lady in the back. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Um, you know, within our young adult group, there's been about, um, there's been about specifically four guys that, that got saved in 2019, and, and they've all just started running with God with their whole heart, and they've made mistakes, but, but what my, my encouragement is don't slow down, don't give up, because you are just as important as the, as the person who's been saved for 55 years. And, and, and even more so, you're the one who sparks and brings back the memories of what it was like to get saved at first for, for maybe some of us. And uh, so don't, don't, be a, don't apologize for your passion. Uh, we could use some of it. And, uh, and just keep running. And uh, those of you that are still on your journey with Christ, maybe you don't know where you're at, I just pray that tonight you would, you would maybe meet God in a way that you haven't before. Um, can we just pray before we get in tonight? So Heavenly Father, we just love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit, God. And we just thank you that you... God, that you chose us. I don't know, you're way smarter than we are. I don't know why you chose us humans and, and it's mankind, but you, God, you wanted us and you wanted relationship with us, God. So tonight, we just pray that our hearts would be soft, God, that you'd be glorified and that we would take one step closer to you tonight in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. So tonight, uh, we're in our, uh, just our focus on prayer. And I know like we've been talking so much about prayer. Part of me is like about to like, my head's about to explode. I'm like, why don't we just pray? Like, why don't we, why don't we just pray for like 45 minutes? And we're not going to do that tonight because some of you would fall asleep. But, um, but I do want to uh, talk about prayer. But the, the most important thing that, about prayer is that we actually do it. Um, I, I gave this example to our young adults on a Thursday night. I, have you ever had it where you like, somebody asks you something and you, and you, you feel like you should know. I'll give me an example. So I had an old tour, uh, uh, Ford Taurus. It was in 1999. I called her Tori and she was just one of those cars. You know what I'm talking about? Like if you, you remember, think back to like college life where you had like the, the beater, the, where you used to compare who had the worst car of your friend group. So you're like, well, my car did this and my car, you know, like my car, that Tori, that the gas, the gas tank actually fell out while it was, while we were driving, while I was driving it. Uh, one time I was filling up with gas and I, I turned the key to turn off off the car, got out of the car, but my car was still on. I couldn't figure that one out. Uh, so it was just one of those cars. And, and I, uh, in, during that time, I was, just, I was in high school, and, and I'd never learned how to change oil um, ever. Like, we always just took it to the shop to get the oil changed. I never knew how to do it. But I, don't, I, have a, I had a friend who asked me if I knew how to change oil. And I was stuck in this predicament to where, like, I felt like, because I felt like I was less of a man if I didn't know how to change oil, like, I felt as if I should know how to change the oil. 
Men, raise your hand if you've ever felt that feeling where like you should know how to do something even though you don't. So he asked me, and I was in a predicament of whether I could tell the truth and say no or to say yes because I didn't want to look stupid. And so I decided to say yes. I knew how to change oil. Uh, Later on in the conversation, it came out that I really didn't know how to change oil, and he mocked me because we were in high school, and that's what dudes do. Anyway, the point is, is we're in this thing with prayer that often we're like, as Christians, as followers of Christ, we're, 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 we're asking, do you know how to pray? And everyone's like, do I know how to pray? <laughs> I've been a Christian for 25 years. You're asking me if I know how to pray. But secretly, we're not getting, not, not that prayer is about results, but we're not, we don't have the prayer life that we know we should have. And we don't have the prayer life that we know we could have. And so there's something, if, we, if we're not getting, if we're not where we need to be, then there's probably something we're not doing that we should be doing. And we're probably ignorant or unaware of things that we should be praying about and, and perspectives that we should be having. Does this make, not bad if this is making sense. And so instead of saying, I know how to pray and, and taking on this holier than thou mentality when it comes to prayer, my encouragement to you is take a heart that, that, uh, tonight, have a heart tonight that says, I want to I grow in the area of prayer. I want to grow in my understanding of how I can relate to God and how I can be transformed by his life and his power. And I believe that's what prayer is for. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. The passage uh, that I want to speak out of tonight is is Luke 11, 5 through 9. Luke 11, 5 through 9. If you have your Bibles, you can flip there. If you have your phones, don't go on Instagram or check the playoffs. Stay with me. We must not have a lot of NFL fans here tonight if, if I only got that much of a laugh out of that joke, so... Can I just say I'm a huge Michigan fan? I was super bummed that Tom Brady and the Patriots lost. So super bummed. So Luke 11, five through nine. So Jesus is talking to his disciples about prayer. The thing that you got to know about this passage is if you look just before, Jesus teaches his disciples the Lord's prayer. So uh, he teaches them the model prayer. Right after he teaches them the model prayer, he teaches them this parable or this story. He says, then he said to them, speaking to his disciples, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves. And I think I have, a pa- I have a different translation on the screen, so just bear with me. Um, for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he answers and says, do not bother me. The door has already been shut and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything, because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened." And what we have to know about this passage is Jesus taught it. And when you look at the Bible, I, this, this was shown to me in the last four months and it, and it blew my mind. Jesus is really the only person in all of the Bible that teaches on prayer. If you go to the prophets, none of the prophets taught anyone how to pray. You go to any of the Old Testament, like Abraham, Mo, like no one taught anyone how to pray. You go to the New Testament and you go to, into the epistles and in Paul's letters and, and Peter and, and there's really, there's snippets and like, like suggestion on how to pray and there's 
commands to pray and to pray without ceasing and different things in Thessalonians. But when it comes to the practical elements of prayer, Jesus is the primary teacher in all of the Bible. So when you go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and look at his life, he is constantly talking to his disciples about prayer, about faith, and about how to get answers to the prayers and the perspectives that we should have when we approach prayer. Jesus is the master on everything, but specifically prayer. And I want us to get that because I want to invite anyone who'd be willing to look to the gospels and say, wow, I I need to measure not measure as in like I, I'm, I'm bad or I'm not measuring up, but in, 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 a, in a heartbeat of God, I want your best for my prayer life to go through the gospels and say, what does Jesus say about prayer and what does my prayer life look like, right? And to start to get our perspectives, our, our belief system back and matching what Jesus really has to say. And what you'll find is quite incredible. So, so going back to uh, Luke eleven five through nine, Uh, Jesus teaches them that the persistent prayer works. Jesus teaches that he who seeks finds, he who asks it will be given to him, who knocks the door will be opened. He's talking about prayer, but specifically about the persistence and the consistency of this friend who wanted the bread. And I want to talk to us tonight about persistence in our prayer life, not giving up, having consistency, and really having faith for the long haul, for the journey, and having faith in God. So I'm going to tell you a little story here. David and Michael, it's a, David and Michael were brothers, and they were young, and they were spending the night at their grandparents' house. How many of you have grandkids? Oh, I just get, uh, my wife and I just had a baby eight months, he's eight months old. And so my, my parents are like going crazy. You should have seen Christmas was, was awesome. And you know, you never notice with kids, like especially babies, they're, they get gifts and they're like wrapping paper. It's just hilarious. At bedtime, so they're spending the night at their grandparents' house. The two boys uh, recited the evening prayers before going to sleep. David, the youngest brother, began praying at the top of his lungs. I pray for a bicycle. I pray for a Nintendo Switch. And I pray for a new laptop. David's older brother, Michael, leaned over and nudged the younger brother and said, why are you shouting? Why are you shouting your prayers? God isn't deaf. To which the little brother replied, no, but grandma is. So I want to talk to us just, a, I want to take a little bit of a, a sidestep here, talk a little bit about grandparents, and I'll, I'll end with a little story here, but I have, a little, uh, uh, I have some, some funny stories about gra- my grandparents. I love my grandparents. Um, I just had my grandma left, uh, and she's amazing. Um, I want to tell you about a story of my, my grandma who, who passed about uh, two or three years ago, and uh, it was actually a lesson, the greatest lesson on prayer I've ever learned. Um, you know, to this day, I look back to that moment at the funeral, and not a lot of people know about this. I don't really talk about it much. Um, I just really felt led to share it uh, tonight. And, you know, Jesus is the master teacher, but often we find people who knew the master's teaching, and that's where we get inspired at first. 
somebody who knew God inspires us to know God. And so I was at my grandma's funeral, and uh, it was over at Borkilo uh, Reformed Church. It may have been First Reformed Church. Is my dad here tonight? My dad here? What was it? What is it? Where are you at, Dad? I don't see you. Borkilo Christian Reformed Church. Yep. So my dad grew up. And uh, so my aunt, one of my aunts got up and started talking and celebrating my grandma's life. And, and uh, so what do you got to know my grandma? My grandma moved down to Florida about you know, a few years before she died just because it was easier in the winters. And my grandma was 94 when she died. My dad is like, I'm like, it was 93 or 94. She, was, she, was, she lived a great life. And my, my aunt was celebrating her life. And what you got to know about my dad's family is that my dad's the youngest of nine kids. And eight of which, eight of his brothers and sisters uh, all have kids of their own. So there are roughly around 30 grandchildren. And in between spouses and great-grandchildren, there's around 85 to 90 people. It's a big family. You know what I mean? It's a big family. And so my aunt, I'm at this funeral and my aunt, you know, being, being, being my dad, being the youngest, I wasn't like super, super close to my grandma, especially having, you know, uh, roughly over 30 grandkids, you know, you, there's only so much piece of the pie that you can really get to know. But, and this is, so I, I didn't know my grandma too, too well, but I loved her dearly. And so my, my aunt went on to tell about how in her old age, in the last years of her life, when she wasn't very mobile, when, when she even started to lose her memory, um, my, gran- my aunt went on to describe how my grandma, every single day, had a piece of paper. And on that piece of paper were, were the names of every one of her, her grandchildren and their families, the 85 to 90. And my aunt went on to describe that there was not one day that my grandma did not pray for every one of her grandchildren and their families. And there's this like weird thing that happens when like, and I, I don't even know how to describe it other than like when that was spoken at her funeral, I almost felt like a, a deposit in my own life to learn to pray like that. You know what I'm saying? It's like my grandma who lived in Florida prayed for me every day. My grandma, who I didn't even really know super, super well, loved me with her whole heart, even though I didn't know her super well. And she prayed for me every day. She prayed for me and my wife and our future family. And, and it's the greatest lesson I've ever learned on prayer, which is the consistency and the persistence of a faithful, faithful child of God. You know, so much of prayer gets mocked up to faith. It gets mocked up to to so many things. But really what it comes down to is who is willing to pray faithfully, consistently, and persistently without wavering. So many people go to God for results in their time of need. And yes, God is there for those times. But what I learned from my grandma is that you go to God every day, no matter the day, no matter the time, no matter if you can walk, no matter if you can remember, no matter if what you do, God is the one who is faithful to do what your heart's desire. Because her, her prayer in that funeral, I found out, was that every, her prayer was that every one of her grandchildren would co- and their families would come to know Jesus as their Savior. Every day. And, and, and here I stand and... and 
You know, so many times you take for granted, our, we take for granted our salvation and lo and behold, we have a praying grandma. Who's got a praying grandma? Have a praying grandma that's been faithfully, faithfully fighting for you in the spiritual space of the warfare that we can't see. And so this is the lesson that my grandma taught me. To pray consistently, to pray persistently, and to pray faithfully. And I believe it's the same lesson or a similar lesson that Jesus is talking about in Luke 11. And so I want to talk just a little bit about consistency, and I want to talk a little bit about persistence. But as I'm talking about my grandma, I can't, I can't not think of the first Tim, or second Timothy 1 passage where it says, I'm reminded, he's, Paul's talking to Timothy, and he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. I'm not naming my daughter that, if I ever have a daughter. If anyone's named here Eunice, it's a beautiful name. I'm so sorry, I should not have said that. <laughs> if anyone's listening to this later on in life, and it's a beautiful, wonderful name. I just have other names that I like more, so there we go. <laughs> oh, gosh. I said I'm 27, okay? Give me some grace. I said I'm 27. And he said, I am persuaded now the faith lives in you also. And that's just what I think about when I think about my grandma. It's what I think about when I think of my parents. It's, it's, it's what I think about when I think of Abby's parents and and the faith transfers from generation to generation. Now, parents, really quick. I work with youth group. The faith may not transfer as quickly as you want it to. Okay? The faith may not transfer until college. It may not transfer until after college. Have faith in God. Pray for them. Be patient with them. Love them. If they're, if they're having doubt, it's Okay? Just think back to when you were in high school and, and, and how much doubt you had and look where you ended up. God's faithful to bring people where they need to be. It's our job to love and create safe environments for young people to, to really wrestle through the questions that they have. So the thing I love about a prayer is that it actually, it requires effort from me, but God gave me every tool that I'll ever need in order to succeed. Like, I don't have to go, I don't have to go to a university and pay $100,000 to learn how to pray. I don't have to go and, and get a master's in, in, in intercession. I don't have to go anywhere. Really, God has spiritually given us everything that we'll ever need in order to have a relationship with him. Now, we may need to unlearn some things, but that's the space of consistent private prayer is a space that we learn those things. So God has... God has done everything necessary. He's invited us into a relationship. You know, we say that all the time about God. Like, he wants a relationship with us. But I want us to think about, like, some of you are married. Some of you are, 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 have been married, now divorced, and, and God's working in your life still. Some of you are in a relationship. Some of, some of you are, 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 have been married. Maybe a spouse has passed away. But you, a lot of us, some of us know a marriage relationship and or know a committed relationship. And sometimes we just like, yeah, God wants a relationship with you. I want us to think for a second how much work it takes to have a healthy relationship. 
Like, how much work does it actually take to get along, like not get along, but to have a thriving marriage? It doesn't happen by accident, I can tell you that much, and I've only been married three years. We have an amazing marriage, but it's not because we're lazy. And, And sometimes I'm like, God wants a relationship with you, and we're just like, yes, God wants a relationship with me where I can do whatever I want. And I get to be me. And God just loves me for who I am. And, and it's like, no, in any relationship, there's, a, there's an effort that needs to be given in order for there to be health in the relationship. And so here it is with prayer. Here it is with our relationship with God. Not that he wants us to earn anything, but he wants, a, if you can say Matthew 5, to hunger and to thirst. To, 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 to actually invest into a spiritual life where we connect and commit into a relationship with God. And so, but he's, but the thing is, is that he's given us everything we'll need. Like he's given us his Holy Spirit. Like the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of us, Romans 8, 11. It says in Ephesians 1, 3, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You know, Every, you know what that means? Every. Every spiritual blessing that we'll ever need, we already have. Now, some of it is sleeping, some of it's not being used, some of it hasn't been discovered yet, but it's actually in our account. And the place that we find these spiritual blessings is in the place of relationship, which takes place in the place of private prayer. It doesn't take place at church, doesn't take place in a Bible study, although those can be great avenues. The non-negotiable, no substitution, there's nothing that can replace your and my personal, private, consistent prayer. And this is the place we discover every spiritual blessing. This is the place that we discover the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's in this place of consistent, private prayer. You know, Jesus is talking about prayer in Matthew 6. And he says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, on the streets, corners, to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Consistent, private prayer. I want to go back to the the passage that we started with in Luke 11, where it says, then he said to them, suppose one of you has has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves for every friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he answers, do not bother me. The door has already been shut and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and who knocks, it will be opened. The thing I want to mention here is Suppose one of you has a friend. I think we skip over that. It's like, suppose if you have a friend, you know, it's like it's part of the story, but notice that the friend went to the other friend. It doesn't say a stranger 
went to the friend. It says a friend went to the friend. And last week, Scott Rogers talks about how we can be friends with God. If you haven't listened to that message, you can go find it. But the point is, is friendship takes consistency. And consistency builds trust and trust builds understanding and understanding builds growth and connection and commitment. And this is the place of, before we can get into the persistence, we have to touch on the consistency of prayer and the importance and the power that's in the consistent prayer. Friendship with God is is based on a few things. (laughs) It's based on receiving this gift of salvation. We can't be friends unless we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. It's picking up our cross and following Christ, loving his word the best way we know how, and being hungry and passionate about our growth as a Christian. (laughs) Something I just wrote down, and sometimes I've felt myself fall into this, is we're not doing God a favor when we pray. (laughs) Sometimes I've went into prayer and I'm like, God, I'm just gonna give you these 10 minutes. I know you wanna spend some time with me. So I'm just going to give you my 10 minutes. There you go. And not that I would ever do that, but that's the attitude that sometimes I would approach prayer in. And they even still do. And what we have to realize is like, God wants to meet with us, not so we can like, so that he can feel better about himself. He wants to meet with us because he knows that we'll be changed. Therefore we shine. Therefore we glorify him so that we expand his kingdom so that we can represent him. So we can be, live with peace so that we can live with health so that our marriage is healthy. So our kids are healthy so that our relationships are healthy. So that our serving is coming from a healthy place so that our working is coming from a healthy place. And he knows this one thing that without him, the equation doesn't work. So we're not doing a favor to him when we go to him. <laughs> Oh, I just needed 10 minutes from you, Jake. That's all. Oh, we're good. We're good, Jake. No. You see, the consistency drives the living. If we don't have consistency in our private prayer life, I don't believe we can live with consistency in our everyday life. It's hard enough to have same thoughts when I'm alone with God. And then I get around all y'all. I'm just kidding. And then I'm kidding, you know. You know, God transforms our thinking so that we can see the world properly. Left to ourselves, we get pessimistic, we get negative, we get, we get, we get critical, we get gossipy, we get, we get self-centered, we get self-motivated, we get all these things that include self, we get prideful, we, we close our ears off, we get opinionated, we get all these things. But when we get in God's presence, it's like, holy, oh my gosh, you're the creator of the universe and you want to meet with me? I love you, God. You know what I'm saying? The humbling nature of what it really means to go to God in consistent prayer. And that's what changes our perspective and that's what actually leads us into this persistence. So the last thing is, is persevering prayer. I'm gonna focus on this verse in Luke 11. It's verse eight. It says, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. You know, so often uh, when we pray for things, it's pretty rare what I've found nowadays. It's pretty rare for people to actually have their, their prayers answered. That most people go into prayer not expecting, or they, they pray for it, but they're not really expecting God to do anything. It's more of like a gesture, like, well, at least I prayed about it. Like, I can tell them I prayed about it without lying. And sometimes we're just like, hey, I'll pray for you. And then we don't pray. And then we're just, hmm, 
you know? And so persistence is, is a key in, sometimes I, I, it's hard to be persistent because I'm, for me personally, like I'll be praying about one thing and then somebody else comes and I'm like, I'm gonna pray about another thing. And then I'm praying about this thing and I'm not praying about that thing anymore. And then the next thing comes up and they're like, I get, I think we'd be really, we'd do really well for ourselves as a church family to not com- overcommit ourselves in prayer. I know that's like, whoa, like, like you don't want us to pray about things. No, we want you to pray about things, but we want you, I want myself to, to carry things that I am truly passionate about into my prayer life. So instead of praying about 20 things half-heartedly, I pray about five things with my whole heart. Sometimes I feel like myself, I don't pray persistently because I'm always trying to get to the next prayer instead of seeing one prayer through to the end. And, I, and I've known so many people and, and I've known so many people who have been praying for years and years and years and years and years. And I, that for me, when I see an older person, whether it's a parent or a parent of one of the, the students that we have, and I see them praying and praying and I hear the testimonies of them praying for years, that's the thing that gets me fired up. I'm like, man, they, they believe so much that God can come through that they'll pray consistently for years for it to happen. That's what I want. No, my flesh is the microwave generation. It's like, I want one prayer done on to the next one. That's what faith is. I would say that's not faith. Faith is when you, you sit and like Abraham, think about Abraham. Abraham gets promised that he'll be the father of many nations, but he has to wait all these, he has to wait and wait and wait. And then his wife can't even get pregnant, so he tries with another gal. Don't recommend that. He tries with another gal. And, and, and that doesn't work out too well for him. And then finally, after he waits and he becomes the father to Isaac. And it, this is what it says in, in Romans 4. It says, Yet Abraham did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he promised. Hebrews 6, 12 says this, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. You see, faith and patience, faith and patience is the secret to persistent prayer. God is faithful to fulfill his promises to those who will wait with faith and wait with patience. And so I want to just end here with, with uh, four, four quick tips just on prayer and, uh, and just give you some practical stuff that's really worked for me in my life and in my prayer life. They're really simple. The first one is, is be thankful. Um, it's, it's one of the most underestimated spiritual powers of God that he gives to us, spiritual tools, is to be thankful. If, you don't know, if your life sucks, um, some of your lives may just completely suck. Just thank God that you're alive. I'm serious, but mean it. Say, God, help me to show, like, show me, God, how I can be thankful just for my life. And watch what God does in your life. Anyway, if your life doesn't suck, you can thank for other things too. But I'm sorry, I say suck. I'm, I'm a youth pastor, okay? Give me, a, give, give me some grace. Second thing, get a prayer journal. I think for persistence with prayer, 
oftentimes we forget what we're actually supposed to be praying about. <laughs> we're like, I want to pray for this. And then it goes for a month and then something happens. You on vacation, some, you know, things change. And then you get back into prayer and you just don't pray about things. It's one of the most practical things that we could do in order to build and grow a persistent and consistent uh, life of prayer and relationship with God. And I, I brought mine up here. This is mine from 2013. My, my journal. This is like a Bible reading slash prayer journal. And I was reading through it and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Wow. Holy cow, God. I was way smarter when I was 20 than I would ever imagine that I was. Um, and I was way more dumb in some places than I, you know. And it's just funny, like, how you look back on your prayers and it, and it stirs the faith that you had in that moment. But if we don't write it down, we'll just, we're just kind of going based on the day. So write it down. Get a prayer journal. Get a nice one so you don't lose it. That's my philosophy with sunglasses, by the way. You know, you get like 10, I'm sorry, this is just a diversion. So you know something you get like the $10 sunglasses and like, you're like, oh, they're only $10 and you lose them. You know what I'm saying? And then you like, you know, sometimes you just got to get the expensive ones. But the, I did that last year and I lost those too. So maybe it doesn't work. I don't know. <laughs> Abby always gets frustrated and she's like, why do you always lose your sunglasses? I'm like, I don't try to, I promise. And then I end up wearing hers, girl's sunglasses and I just pull it off because I go to the beach and I'm just like, you know, I can't take a nap without the sunglasses. Where was I? I'm so sorry. Okay, be specific. Be specific. In your prayers while you're journaling, don't, we, we, God wants us to be specific. He wants us to carry measurable requests when we come to him. Not vague, uh, God, do a work in my life. He wants us to like specify what work do you want him to do in your life? Like, what do you want him to do? Struggling with addiction, struggling with habitual sin, struggling, you know, struggling to, in your marriage, struggling with, to relate to your kids, struggling with friends, like whatever, wherever season you're in, be specific and don't stop just because it doesn't happen within a week. If you really want it, cons- uh, pray for it consistently, consistently, consistently. Don't give up. And this is just a tip to, to pray uh, with consistencies. Put, in, put it in your calendar. You know, when I go on, I go out to coffee quite a bit, which is from people from, from the young adult group, and, and I meet up with some guys from the youth. And, and whenever I go out to meet with someone, I always put it in my calendar. I always. You know why? Because if I don't put it in my calendar, I'm going to forget and so often with prayer, we're like, God, I don't want to put you in a box. I don't want to refi- I don't want to, I don't want to limit you. So I'm just going to, I want you to wake me up in the morning. <laughs> I've tried that many of times. I promise you it doesn't work. God, I want you to, wake- no, set your alarm clock, set two, alar- or set two alarms, set three alarms. What do you have to do? Uh, but wake up, put it in your calendar. And you'll, you'll see yourself being more consistent with prayer. And oftentimes, just with our, with our spiritual life, I often feel like Christians feel like they have to feel it in order for it to be real. And I don't think that's the case. I think we actually have to build disciplines and we have to work off of this word that I always use in my prayer life is sincere desire. So like, God, my sincere desire really is to pray every day. Like, that's my sincere desire, God. And I ask that you help me build discipline in that area. But that's my sincere desire. I express that to God. But now I'm going to come over here and do what I can do in order to make that happen. 
And I believe that if we can do these things as followers of Jesus, I know it's simple, but I promise you, the simple things are what makes the biggest difference. The simple things. So be thankful, get a prayer journal, be specific, put it in your calendar. Would you guys just pray with me as we close?